Welcome to the Kimigration Podcast. I am recording this at the end of September 2022, and I'm looking back at the time period February through sort of May 2022 in today's episode. So where I left off was kids were just starting school and we were starting to purge. We hadn't bought plane tickets or anything like that by um, February. February is pretty low key in terms of the move. I mean, we were just collecting data and getting flight prices and stuff like that, but we didn't actually buy anything. We were just trying to sort of gently touch our toe into the water, as they say, and then also trying to kind of wrap up our time there because it, we knew it was going to go by really quickly, and we knew we had a lot, a lot of stuff to do. And like I say, it was business as usual. Kids were back at school. I was back at work. We had planned a trip to Auckland with Ellie from her birthday back before we knew we were moving. Um, that was part of her birthday present. And then Bruno and I had planned a trip to Rotorua for our anniversary just us, so taking the kids out of the picture for that one, and just kind of revisiting places we had already been. That was really, really fun, and just a nice excuse to get out of town. It was still really nice weather in February, because it's summertime there. And then in March, I, again, had already planned a trip to Waiheke Island with a group of girls. So I did a three-nights trip in March to Waiheke, which is this awesome little island off the coast of Auckland that you just take a ferry over to, and we rented a house and drank wine, and it was fantastic. My last day of work was the 22nd of March, so that left me about six weeks to really buckle down and get rid of everything and do the garage sales and the donations and... Again, finalizing our packing situation with what are we shipping, what are we selling, what are we donating, what are we packing in suitcases, what are we going to need between now and when we move, and then what are we going to need when we move till our stuff gets there, if we're shipping stuff back. So it was a lot of still still up in the air. We bought our plane tickets um, in early March. So that would have given us about two months before we actually left New Zealand. And I think that's a pretty good time frame, I guess, to work within. You have an out date, so you can plan backward from there. But you're not looking so far in advance, especially with COVID at that time. You know, we were having more lockdowns and you got to think how far in advance can you plan safely and not lose a bunch of money when you do it because it was a lot of money in plane tickets and making arrangements. But in that time frame, you know, Easter was still happening and you're getting together with friends for holidays and stuff there. And we decided at one of these gatherings that our family and my friend Nikki's family, who you may remember from season one, if you haven't listened to it, go back. It's pretty funny. She's probably one of the very first episodes. I can fact check that. But um, yeah, one of the first episodes, somebody who we literally met day one of living in, well, not day one, Somebody we met within the first month of living in New Zealand, for sure. And our families have just gotten closer. So we said, one last hurrah. We're going to go fly down to Queenstown. And because we didn't have a date at that point when we were planning the trip of when we were trying to leave New Zealand, we decided to plan it for like the week before we were going to leave the country forever. So 
you know, timing being everything, you know, looking back, probably not the best timing to do this, but at the same time, when are you supposed to do it? And so we just kind of picked a date and went for it and had an awesome, awesome trip down in Queenstown. That's where I managed to get my tattoo. Crazy story. So New Zealand is kind of known for tattooing and I had a design in mind, but I'm not an artist, so I needed a design and I didn't want just some... I was trying to be respectful of the Maori culture, okay? And I really liked the design style and I really wanted it to be a statement piece for my family tree, but then I also wanted to be really respectful of the culture and not have appropriation. And I don't know how you actually word that to people, but I ended up getting it done in Queenstown with like a group on and I couldn't believe that they actually had a space available for an appointment for me because I called like two days before we got there. It was kind of kismet to be honest with you. The lady who did it was a white woman from England so I didn't feel like she would go over the top with anything and she would be able to understand what it was I was trying to get across with it. And I think she did. I really like what came out of it. So yay, tattoos. We did plan it, I guess, in a good way. Because when we landed in Auckland from Queenstown, we picked up a rental car because we still needed to sell our car at some point in the next week, or at least put it up for sale. And I thought it would go pretty quickly because it was, I thought, a fairly cheap price. But With all the borders closed, there weren't as many temporary workers who would be the likely market for a cheap car. So nobody wanted to buy my car, but we needed to get rid of it. And luckily, again, Nikki bailed me out and helped me to sell it eventually. Didn't sell for like months after we left, but she did end up selling it for like way less money than I was hoping to get. But you have to also just go, yep, it's just the cost of doing business. And move on with your life because you can't get mad about it. It's just one of those things where it was like, I just got to get rid of it and not have to pay taxes on it, honestly. It's really easy to sell a car in New Zealand, too. Like, you just fill out a thing online and it's done. So uh, we picked up this rental car when we landed in Queenstown, went back to Tauranga, tried to sell my car had to leave it with Nikki on our last day, but then we fit all of our luggage and everything into the car when we did end up leaving. And that was what our plan was for after Queenstown, which was the end of April. So that brought us up to May. All the way up in April was garage sale, donation, getting medical records, getting our boxes packed because in the end we figured it was still easier to ship a few boxes back on their own. I mean, if they're telling you it's going to take six to eight months to get a box back or if you were doing a container paying way, way, way more and you got to the other side and you didn't need it for six to eight months, I'm guessing you didn't really need it. Like that's a nice to have, not a have to have. Anything you have to have You either have to take with you physically or get it on the other side. So we had five boxes and a didgeridoo. All five of our boxes were overweight, so we ended up paying extra for that. And then the didgeridoo was a six-piece, but it wasn't really um, able to be packaged the same way. We had to like basically bubble wrap and send it on a prayer because I don't really know 
if you've done much international traveling, but I can't imagine they're gentle with stuff. And it'll be interesting to find out if it actually shows up in one piece. Let's just, I'll update that when it gets here because I'm now recording in September and I got the email that it is in the country. It has cleared customs. So what's that? All of May, June, July, August, September, five months. And they said six to eight. So it'll probably be about six months. That was probably a pretty good estimate. But we'll see what condition it's in when it gets here because those boxes were stuffed with just the most random like decorations and souvenirs and a few kids toys and a few clothes and shoes that you get attached to a lot of paperwork and stuff that the kids have, you know, artwork and things like that that I wanted to bring back as like mementos and things. So I don't even remember what 100% is in those boxes because it's been so long and I just had gone through so much at that point that I was just chucking stuff where there was space. So it'll be interesting to open those boxes as soon as I get here. But yeah, so that's what we were doing like all of April and then traveling and doing all the fun stuff too. And then on May 1st, we dropped our boxes off and said goodbye to those and paid all the money for those. And then on May 4th, we actually flew I couldn't believe that they actually got there. We tried to have a little like going away party kind of thing about a week before. No, not even like three days or something before we flew. And I was so exhausted and emotionally drained that I got a massive headache and had to like go home. Like I did not even feel like being out that night. A bunch of other people partied like rock stars that they are. But I was like, I can't. I am so done. And I discovered that the way I interpret stress is by not sleeping. So I was sleeping really horribly. You know, the kids, they were just trucking along. They finished school sort of mid-April, right before Easter. And that was the last that they were going to be in school until they started now in America in August. So they had a huge break. Also, they had just gone back to school. Like they had their summer break. Went to school for February, March, and half of April, and then they were off again. So 2022 is probably the least amount of school that they'll ever go to in their entire life. But we flew from Auckland to South Africa. We took a long, long flight to get there because it was the cheapest one. And stopped in Australia, stopped in Qatar, and then went down to Johannesburg. Spent one night there with our friend at a hotel just to see him. And then we flew the next morning down to George where... Berto's family has been staying for the last couple of years. We spent about three weeks altogether in South Africa. We ended our trip there in Cape Town, spending time with our friends there. So that was awesome to get to see some of the folks that we haven't seen in so long. And then we flew from Cape Town again through Qatar up to London. And we spent a week in London. And like, all I wanted to do was make sure I had a place to stay in each location booked because we were moving around somewhat and then transportation booked, which if you are traveling with 10 massive suitcases plus five carry-ons plus like purses and bags and stuff, it's a lot of luggage and you need a lot of space. So you're either renting a van, which was stupid expensive in South Africa anyways, or you're getting a trailer, what have you, or multiple vehicles. Sometimes we've had to split up and do that. So in South Africa, we were lucky enough to have a friend sort of rent us his cousin's trailer for cheap. 
And then at the end of the day, Berto's dad went to Cape Town and drove the trailer back to return it to the friend. I don't know what we would have done otherwise. It would have been so much more expensive to get a van for that whole time that would fit all the luggage. Um, So we're grateful that we had people helping us out on all sides from leaving New Zealand to getting into South Africa and leaving South Africa. And then once we got to London, you know, I just booked an Airbnb, but you could take public transportation. But Ellie's 10 and she has two massive suitcases that weigh more than she does. And we're in the tube and just chucking luggage on before the doors closed on us. I mean, it was ridiculous. I'm sure there are people that watch travelers coming into Heathrow and leaving or whatever, just with all this luggage going, you dumbasses, why are you traveling with all that? But we had to, we didn't have a choice. And we knew that we would be stuck with whatever we had in these suitcases until we got to where we were going. And yeah, okay, there's stores everywhere that you can, you know, replace some stuff. But you don't want to go on vacation and have to go find shoes. Like, I want to travel with a couple pairs of shoes. So as dumb as it sounds, we knew for the next foreseeable future, anything that we would need, we had to be carrying on our person in our suitcases. So again, that's high risk for you hope the suitcases don't get lost or broken or whatever. We had one suitcase get damaged, but whatever, considering all of the travel delays that people have been having throughout COVID, we did not have one delayed flight, really. I mean, if it was delayed, it was five minutes. We did not have one canceled flight. We did not lose one piece of luggage. Nobody got sick. Nobody got lost. I mean, I like to think that I can plan stuff on some level, but there's so many moving parts that you have no control over that you just kind of got to wing it. So I was really just did not have the bandwidth to plan too, too much. I just knew had the flights booked, had the accommodation booked, had the transportation, at least an idea of what we wanted to do booked. And then the last thing that we really had to do was just reorganize the luggage because Again, if you're five people and you've got things strewn from this end to that end, you're not going to be able to find anything. So staying organized was really important. Then when we like got to South Africa, I did some research on stuff to do and like actual tour stuff. And then when we got to London, I kind of figured out kind of day to day what we wanted to make sure that we did, that we didn't miss all the important things we wanted to see. Because London was really the vacation part of it because it was someplace new for the kids they hadn't been there before and we had been there we lived there so some of the stuff it's like okay that's not even something kids would be interested in or there's all this new stuff there and the possibilities there are endless like there's so much cool stuff to do and you don't have to pay a fortune for every single thing is the other thing and we got to see Bruno's cousin in London too so that was pretty cool when we were in South Africa I was trying desperately to get the whole house painted. I saw the pictures of what the house looked like after the tenants moved out, and I knew that I had to do all the walls painted, all the ceilings, popcorn removal, because they were all dirty and dusty and gross. And then the last thing was the carpet throughout the bedrooms and the hallway and the stairs and stuff where we had carpet before. It was destroyed, and like to the point that the carpet people wouldn't take the old disgusting carpet with them. So that's pretty gross. I wanted it to be fresh and cleanish when we got here. 
And so just to add complication to it, after my tenants moved out, but before we got home, my girlfriend down the street was helping out, shout out Andrea, with the dog because between when they left and when we got home, she was going to be on her own. They had a doggy door for her so she could get in and out, but her health just declined really, really rapidly. And the night before we were supposed to fly home from London, I got a call from my friend and she's like, Dee Dee is not doing good. Dee Dee was the dog. She is not doing very good. She's barely walking. She's having accidents. She's not eating. Like every telltale sign of a dog on its way out. So I was just praying, you know, let her please hang on until we get there. We can say goodbye and then we can take her. And of course it was Memorial weekend. So you couldn't actually get to see a vet. Like if we wanted to have a vet come to the house, it was going to be a huge hassle and a huge pain and expensive and I just was hoping that we could get there to say goodbye anyways for like selfish reasons. I just felt like that would be really difficult to come home to no dog. I mean, it was bad enough coming home to a dog but that was dying, but at least we could say our goodbyes. So I'm grateful for that. But we got home completely safely. We had an awesome time in London. Qatar Airlines was actually pretty good. It was our first time flying with them. And aside from like the one bag getting messed up which was probably half our own doing because we overfilled it (laughs) everything went smooth and we landed in Raleigh on June 1st so that brings us up to um the real immigrating part of it so all of this was just the lead up to immigration and now starting the next episode I will kind of answer the questions that I always ask to other people when I interview them so I'll ask them to myself and give you the answers of the actual immigration process and, you know, expectations because we needed to feel like we're kind of coming home, but we're in a different mental place than we were when we left. The kids are much bigger than when we left. We know things are going to be different, but what things are going to be different? What did you not realize that you missed? What did you not expect to happen um, coming back? What are some of the, you know, favorite things about America? What do we miss about New Zealand? Like, there are things that I didn't realize I had forgotten about. So for example, I was walking in the woods the other day, because we have this awesome greenway, which is great for just little one hour hikes that go down to the lake. And I smelled the fall leaves coming down now. They're just starting in North Carolina. And I was like, ooh, I forgot I miss that smell. We lived in Palm Tree Central in Papamoa, like it was a beach town and there were no changing seasons, leaves falling, no colors like that. Like if we drove half an hour inland, we would see some leaves, but here it's just starting to really change seasons and I kind of forgot what it was like. So it was a very olfactory experience and visual experience to be back in here and go, I forgot I missed this. So that was kind of cool. Anyways, next episode, I will start getting into more of that kind of stuff. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Just a quick note for the fact check. I mentioned my friend Nikki on season one of Kim Migration, and she is on episode two. I knew it was at the beginning. Thanks for listening.